welcome to the Lightly Literary Podcast, the Thoughtful Book Club podcast featuring two friends. I'm Travis, joined as always by my co-host Amanda. Welcome back, Amanda. Hello. Today, we've got a book recommendation episode for you listeners, so if you're in the podcast feed for the first time, you found a perfect place to start because our book recommendation episodes are the ones in which we try and persuade you or convince you to read a book with us. For the next couple of weeks, we'll be talking about The Intuitionist by Colson Whitehead today, which is a novel, so if you're interested in potentially reading a novel with us over the next couple of weeks, stay tuned. Again, book recommendations will be broad overviews. We're not going to be deeply spoiling that book today. Where We'll just be discussing it. Kind of the things we liked about it, the things that makes it work, or that make it work rather, and just, yeah, what we enjoyed about it. If it's your first time on the podcast, we've got social media feeds at Facebook and Instagram, and it's under the handle at the Lightly Literary Podcast, which is all one word, so just the same name as the pod, but all compressed into one big name. So check us out there. We appreciate the follows, and if you can rate and review the episodes on uh, any podcast platform, that helps a ton as well, and we do appreciate that. Amanda, I chose this book, right? Am I right? <laughs> I always you forget. You did. Ongoing bit there for the pod. And I chose it because <laughs> Colson Whitehead is an author I've been conflicted about. I loved The Underground Railroad, which we covered. And then I've read a novel before that, uh, Zone One, which is a zombie novel that I did not like at all. But that was a long time ago. I read that in college. So it has been <laughs> it has been a long time. I think how I discovered that was I was looking for genre fiction that was more literary so it's like i saw his name i knew he was kind of this new upcoming you know pretty intellectual writer literary guy and then i saw he had a zombie book so i was like all right let's do it let's see what literary zombies are like and the answer was i didn't think very good but <laughs> this uh, this novel the intuitionist is his debut novel i'll read briefly from the cover just to give you guys a sense of of what it's about it says two warring factions in the department of elevator inspectors in a bustling metropolis vie for dominance the empiricists who go by the book and are rigorously check every structural and mechanical detail and the intuitionists who ob- whose observational methods evolve meditation and instinct and it's about lila may watson the city's first black female inspector and a devout intuitionist with the highest accuracy rate. Uh, she's at the center of turmoil, mystery. I'm not reading at this point, just summarizing. But yeah, that's a, the basic setup of the book. I wouldn't call it sci-fi or fantasy, but it's definitely, I mean, it's not the real world. So say that. Right. <laughs> okay, before we dive in, any quick notes on the book? Shall we get started? Let's get started. Let's recommend this book then. Let's do it. Uh, we'll start with our first segment, which is rapid fire recommendations. We always start our book recommendations with this little brief segment. And this is when we bounce descriptions of who should read this book off of each other. I'll start. I think you should read this book if you enjoy novels about academia. Yeah, some of the best bits of this novel, I think, are, are the um, references and in, in, in flashbacks to college life yeah. for elevators yeah for <laughs> elevators which is you know they're meant to be funny we we think we're pretty sure <laughs> yeah pretty sure <laughs> um i said uh you should read this book if you like mystery especially with some corporate espionage yeah, oh yeah, the elevator department is kind of like a combo of the police department in New York City with an ec- more economic bent to it, obviously. So yeah, there's some corporations involved. I'll just tag mine on then, which I think you should read this book if you can tolerate and even enjoy like the elements of noir crime stories, kind of seedy underbelly type stuff. I wouldn't... Yeah, I'll, let me just tag on because I know you threw that one to me. I The mystery is not quite... Um, 
it's not like hyper violent or anything, but that stuff shows up too, though. So you kind of got to like that, I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, How about another? And it is noir style too. Um, I yeah. think you should read this book if you enjoy a lot of stylized descriptions. It's a yeah, lot. It's, a, it's a dense read. <laughs> it, it is. It, it will challenge you for sure. I think. It's strange, though, too, because there are moments when the the prose is just so lucid and kind of great, and then I think it gets a little bogged down by its own ambition. So, yeah, good way to put it. I think you should read this book if you have patience for a slow narrative. Mm, Yeah, the first first bit's a little bit slower, but yeah, the slow roll. Um, You should read this book if you're looking to explore and perhaps poke fun at politics, bureaucracy, racism, and religion. Well, I think in your list there, didn't you hit on why this book, you have to have the patience? Like, it's got a lot of ideas. It's not really a... Yeah. (laughs) It's not a long novel, but intellectually, it's... I think it's complicated, and it also has a lot of interest. And so you have to... Yeah, I think you have to be a little patient, I think is still the word I'm going to keep using, like, with the book. So... Yeah, interesting. I think you should read this book if you have philosophical ponderings about everyday objects, because he really goes in on elevators. <laughs> he does, and that's actually really great about it. Um, it is. Yeah. You, it is, yeah. It, you should read this book if you want a female lead who keeps a tight lid on her emotions and memories. <laughs> One of the reviews called her terse, which is a great word that I'm not sure if either of us said throughout the episodes, but it, it does work pretty well. Yeah, she's a, a very analytical person. So um, you should read this book if you love a good plot twist or maybe four or five. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And I won't say more because on our Rex recommendations here, we're never here to spoil or whatever. So, but yeah, I think they, some of them are great. Some are just kind of like, why did you do that? But it's, yeah, they're there's a lot of them, so there there are a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, um, you should read this book if you think elevators are really underappreciated. Oh yeah, and or at least want to you know think about them. Did you come away with some new appreciation? Sure. Yeah. I. I uh, next time that I get into an elevator, I will try not to remember its comparison to a coffin. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, it is an object that one of the reviews pointed this out that until it fails, it's a really, you don't think about it at all. And then when it fails, you think about it, you know, the, to all the, the time. To infinity. It's, yeah, the, <laughs> so it's an interesting thing in that way. Interesting object. Uh, let's do our next segment then, Amanda. Pop culture touchstone is next. This is going to be when we compare this to something from another part of culture. It could be pop culture or just, you know, something else. Uh, books, TV, movies, literature, music, uh, videos, I don't, whatever. It's up in the air. Uh, and I'm, I guess I'll keep going first, right? That's what we've settled on. The chooser goes. My pop culture touchstone for this one, I'm finally going music, and I'm going weird and abstract. Um, you ever heard of jazz fusion, which is a genre? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's basically what if progressive rock from the 60s and 70s also had, you know, elements of rhythm and blues and jazz. And so I listened to a lot of, like, progressive rock in college, and I did get into jazz fusion and had listened to, a, you know, a couple albums on repeat that were, like, jazz fusion bands from that time period, 60s and 70s. The, the reason I'm going with this is because I think that jazz fusion, I mean, there's emotional moments in the music, but it is kind of an intellectual exercise, 
and you do kind of have to like it to it's kind of an in or out vibe where it's like you're either gonna get along with this genre or you're gonna be like this is the dumbest noise i've ever heard in my life (laughs) and i could see this book having a similar effect like the other thing I, I thought of with Jazz Fusion, this is a more abstract comparison, but it, it really does play with so many genres and the music can really twist and turn. And, you know, what you're listening to one minute might be completely different the next minute. This book has that, I think, that structural component too. Like, it's a very thoughtful, playful book. It, it has a lot on its mind. And so you kind of have to keep up with the changes in the tempo and the changes in, like, the rhythm. Like, it's a kind of an experimental genre of music. And this book, I think, is in that kind of register that's interesting i i like that comparison um yeah especially the you're either going to be really into it or you're just going to be like meh i'm out yeah um i think that's that's very accurate um for this book i think you're either going to love it or or you're not there's not going to be any in between there yeah Um, yeah uh my comparison um, is to NCIS or even CSI. Um, <laughs> yeah. So there's mystery that often involves politics and people who take themselves very, very seriously. Uh, but then there's also these um, like little quips and these, these flashes of humor that um, I think make it more entertaining um, than if it were just those serious mystery shows. Um, so I think in a lot of ways, the, the book, The Intuitionist, uh, without that humor, that the satire, without poking fun at things, um, this book would have, for me, I think, uh, been something that I would not have enjoyed very much. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I, do you think... Let's do a false imaginary exercise, but do you think if you had to recommend it to somebody in only one of its kind of genre terms, which would you lead with? Oh, man. What would I lead with? Um, I would say... I would just tout it as um, as a mystery. Okay. I was Yeah, I was going to go kind of noir detective-y fiction too because it I, I do think there's really a case to be said though for it's like you know this is a pretty insightful book about race in america and about the era of segregation basically era kind of like 50s ish we also this book has no location or time stated but we guess that it's like basically new york in the 50s you know give or take so um so yeah but anyway so that's i think those terms make a lot of sense but i was just curious what you'd say to that shall we do some scripted pitches Okay, with those light comparisons out of the way, we're going to dive into something more detailed. We each have prepared a 300-word, you know, or 200-ish word, scripted pitch of why we think you should read this book or what makes it appealing. So we've prepared these in advance. We've got some writing that, you know, we're going to talk you through and uh, get some coherent thoughts out there instead of just freestyling it. I will go first, as is my burden, <laughs> the, the selector's burden, uh, and I'll, I'll start here in a second. 
I, this book is an accomplished novelist's first novel, which I'm reading slowly uh, for a reason. It's a simple sentence, yes, a simple description, but I think that sentence has all the essential information you need to know about reading it. So it has moments of true genius. It's very accomplished, and there's really no question about it. It's got this ambitious kind of time-jumping structure, including like interludes that are very different stylistically. It's you know got detective noir elements, and there's danger, betrayal, etc. There's also, again, those racial critiques and I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd call it an allegory, but sure, you could call it that. Um, and I'll end there, but I don't need to. It's just very ambitious and it has insights and moments that are going to stick with me and there's no doubt about it. Like it has details I'll, I'll remember. But it's also clearly a first novel, like the seams are bursting, the cup is overflowing, you know, pick your metaphor. Like, I think he tries at least five to ten really unique tones and moods throughout the book. And so it, it can feel in the literary sense kind of nauseating because you're just trying to keep up with these shifts and you're trying to keep up with the stories attempting. And I'll admit on my end, at least like sometimes I think I just failed to do so. It's <laughs> as a page to page reading experience. I think it's got some whiplash in there. So I think that's the, you know, first novelist component. Um, last year there, I've got a comparison to make here. Last year, there was a new Jordan Peele film called Nope. Did you see that, by the way? I did not. So he's, like he's kind of an up-and-coming kind of popular director, um, directs kind of mostly horror movies. But anyway, the, the reason I'm bringing this up is I think I had a similar reaction to that as this book. It's the kind of story experience that I think is more intellectually satisfying than sort of immediately entertaining or pleasing to, like, experience in the moment. Uh, that movie, I literally walked out thinking, I'm going to love the discussion about this. Like, I can't wait to read an article about it or an essay or, like, listen to a podcast about it. I think I look forward to that more than, like, watching it again or seeing parts of it again, which I, I think is actually kind of a compliment. I know it might not sound like one, and because I do like media sometimes that has that kind of of chord to it where I'm more excited about the discussion than the work itself and I think my reaction to Intuitionist was kind of the same like it's intelligent ambitious but it's also unwieldy a bit and I think it's a book that I might just appreciate reflecting on in the coming months more than like the appreciation I had when I picked it up I think my more positive feeling was in the talk than in like grabbing the book and being like okay I get to read this again so that was yeah that's where I'm at with this one I think Nice. I actually really, I, I agree with that final sentiment, which is the idea that the the real value I'm going to get out of this as well is just our discussion. But also, like when I was reading through uh, some of the critiques about the the reviews about this book and and seeing what other people had to say, I I enjoyed that. I think a bit more than than the actual like reading aspect of it. Although, like reading it was fine. There were elements yeah. of it that I really enjoyed, um, but I agree that I think for me the real, the thing that will come to mind is not like the novel itself, but the ideas that you and I discussed from it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, for your scripted pitch, feel free to take it away. All right. Uh, pinpointing the readership uh, this book would most appeal to is a lot like pinpointing this novel's genre. Is it noir? Is it satire? Is it allegory? Is it philosophy dressed up as fiction? Uh, yes to all of those. So yes to all the groups that are interested in those genres. Uh, the real interest for me, however, was not in the purpose of the novel, but in the style. I had read Whitehead's Underground Railroad with you, actually, um, a couple of years ago and absolutely loved his writing style. I didn't expect the same mastery 
in this, his first novel, but I was expecting a certain level of sophistication in his writing. And sure, there's some great writing in here. I enjoyed many of his descriptions and his dedication to certain motifs. Um, moisture being one that really stood out to me. Religion, hair, surprisingly, came up a lot, um, etc. But what he lacks here is restraint. That same restraint that I so enjoyed in Underground Railroad. Uh, descriptions, metaphors, similes, the whole literary device list is thrown into this work. It reminds me a lot of John Steinbeck if he were to mix his metaphors a bit more and loosen his hyper-focus just a touch. Uh, that's not to say that I found Whitehead's writing to be overwhelming or boring, just a bit jumbled at times. Otherwise, the plot embraces the twists and turns of a noir narrative really well, and overall the novel is an entertaining read. Yeah, the I think noting that it, it has a certain... I don't know. It's not unfocused, though. It's, restraint, I think, is the perfect word, as you as you already put it. But it, I'm not sure if it has one thing on its mind or tw- ten things, and it just doesn't. It's it's not going to constrain itself within a paragraph, you know. And I I think so much of it happens at that paragraph syntactic almost level because if we were to summarize the plot i think we could do it pretty coherently and make it seem like this is a pretty focus you know it's bound by a couple ideas but as soon as we delved into some of the imagery some of the metaphors and figurative language that he plays with and again it's more of a syntactic paragraph bound within a paragraph level you can like notice some real chaos of <laughs> just kind of like stuff getting thrown at the wall sort of a feeling with the description so Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's it has that feeling for sure. Excellent. Uh, any other scripted thoughts, or should we end with our final segment here? Let's uh, let's end it. Okay. Quote for clarification. Super fast. This is our yeah. Let's do it. Uh, this is our quote for clarification segment. It's just what it sounds like. We've each selected a quote to read from the novel because at this point in the recommendation, we've already described it enough. Now it's time to dive into details and get specific with things. I've chosen one that I chose for book club part one. Actually, convenient. So you're going to hear me talk about it twice if you're uh, listening to all episodes. Sorry, I'm doing some overlap here, but I just think it still works really well with the points I want to get across. This is from uh, page five. It's the description of a, a building that she's in. It says, The hallway smells of burning animal fat and obscure gravies boiling to slag. Half the ceiling lights are cracked open or missing. Back here, he says, the superintendent seems to be melting as he leads Lila May across the grime-cocked black and white hexagonal tile. His bulbous head dissolves into shoulders and then spreads into a broad pool of torso and legs. How come Jimmy didn't come this time, the super asks? Jimmy's good people. Lila May doesn't answer him. Dark oil streaks his forearms and clouds in his green t-shirt. A door bangs open upstairs and a loud female voice yells something in the chafing tones reserved for disciplining children and pets. And then uh, later, the lumpy pitted texture of the uh, elevator cab's door tells her that management has painted over it several times, but she recognizes the dimensions. And then it goes on to describe the... uh, the, it says they ride in a box on a rope in a pit. They are in the void. And that's the elevator. I'll just pause there. So atmospherically, is that an adverb? Well, it is now. But in terms of atmosphere, <laughs> I think there's so much going on that's successful here. You know, there's the noises, the smells, the you know, it's and it's clearly run down. It's grimy. It's the city. You know, it's hot. It's whatever. But there's also just these small details that his bulbous head dissolves into shoulders like he's melting you know, he's greasy. It's, it pushes things probably too far. Like, does he need to be 
a literal candle wax figure falling apart. It's <laughs> there's the uh, gravies boiling to slag. Then there's the note of children and pets at the end. This like woman who's you know clearly upset about something. It's uh, it's just very intense and chaotic. And I even think as I read this one over, this paragraph actually seems more focused than some of the later ones we've talked about too. <laughs> like I think when I look back at this paragraph, I'm like, oh okay, actually maybe it is a, a you know coherent in its atmosphere setting and what it's trying to build up with the, the tone of this. Um, but I think that gives a good sense, though, of the ambition and the kind of like every sentence is going to try and do something, you know, <laughs> there's no quiet sentences or rarely. Yeah, the I think um, that's a good example, too, of how he could have stopped with the, you know, with the greasiness and all that stuff. If he would have only had the dude be that kind of person uh, like to have that description there, but then to have on top of that, like the greasy smells coming from the apartment, right, right, all that stuff. It was just like it's like okay, I I've already got it. You you had that with the the character. We we don't necessarily need and we, to be yeah. And we don't need one detail. It. We don't get rather one detail about the super. We get three or four. I don't even. I wasn't actually counting, but it's just sort of like it indulges in that way. That's a good one. Yeah, and and for your <clears throat> quote for clarification, feel free to dive in when you're ready. But yeah, let's hear what you've brought. Yeah, mine is from page 14, so kind of kind of close to the beginning. Um, it is in the middle of the paragraph, so let me just find it. Here we go. <clears throat> Probably Skinny Ned, that vapor, that meandering cumulus masquerading as a man, sentenced to death duty after, after the infamous Johnson Towers debacle, talked to a guy who talked to a guy in Shankar's inner circle, and the word came down. The colored gal gets the job. Not any of them. Not Pompey. There are no surprises in election years. Just a bit more static. Um, so here we have the description hmm. of Ned, which actually I quite like the, the meandering cumulus masquerading as a man. I was like, Oh, that's kind of funny. Um, yeah, yeah. but then we also get introduced to the ideas that it's not just like elevators, but also there seems to be some politics going on here and there's an election year. And also there's that, um, the, the race issue getting in there too so it's like that that idea it it expresses a lot about like the world that they live in um and we know that shankra has like who's who's the president of of the guild yeah he's got um he's got little little busybodies running around for him so yeah do you think Uh, that the do you think the book has a strong kind of plot structure to it then do you think it sets up these ideas that it pays off because i i think both of our quotes and unsurprisingly given our interests and the things for this book especially we discussed but i think both of our quotes were pretty style heavy um do you think the plot yeah. is enough to drive it i think so I, they, there's plenty yeah, yeah. of action happening and intrigue and then lots of questions that need to be answered that get twisted right. up in the end so yeah i think that even though our focus has been on style, I think that plot wise it's it could stand on its own for sure. 
Yeah, and I the back half especially I found, you know, sort of impressive almost where it, I think again it overextends maybe. That's a decent way to put some of the, some of the elements in the book, so I'm okay with overextending <laughs> as a compliment. I think that's okay. Um but I do think that yeah, it pays off certain ideas and genre tropes and everything and yeah, on the whole, I hope we've left it with a positive impression. I, I it's almost like I think our book clubs will come across Will they come across more negative than the wreck? I'm not sure, but I'm glad we've both struck kind of a positive chord with this one because I think moments of it were tough to read, but on the whole, I I enjoyed it. So, yeah, positive feelings. Good. Any other thoughts on the intuitionist? I know I just kind of gave my wrap up, but what are your overall final thoughts? Um, I think that it's it's a book that I'm glad I read. Um, yeah. I wasn't overly excited to pick it up each night, but you know what? Like, I, I am ultimately glad that I read it, and I, I did find it entertaining. It's just that the analysis of it, it was sometimes for me, like, a bit overwhelming, and that's why I was not as excited to read it. Yeah. Well, maybe it falls into that category that we know so well, which is books that we can selfishly say you should have kind of a book club to do <laughs> right little, yeah little promotion <laughs> pat ourselves on the back but yeah this is this is right on that edge of would i finish this if i was reading alone i think i would have because i often will kind of push myself to engage with something that's challenging and just just to do it just to keep the mind sharp in a sense but it, but it is right on that boundary though for sure of just like well you know it's there are definitely days when i picked it up when i thought oh do i want to do 30 pages right now like eh. and you know you kind of got to motivate yourself so <laughs> have discussion yeah. buddies ready it helps i think helps a lot so it does excellent and with no final thoughts at least on my end let's wrap this up we again can be found on social media accounts under facebook and instagram accounts anyway under the lightly literary podcast which is all one word so check us out on those platforms if you can rate and review the episode if we if we gave you a good book recommendation today we always appreciate that it helps get the word about the feed out and helps promote the podcast so thanks for any reviews that you're leaving if we did persuade you to read it then we hope you join us for the reading journey on this one if we failed to though check back in two weeks because we'll have a new recommendation up on a new book we've chosen our next three books we've got those coming up amanda will tell you about them uh, in order so take it away next up we've got in cold blood by truman capote which is a nonfiction work uh then we have the violent barrett away which is a novel by flannery o'connor and then we have the play fences by august wilson yeah, solid picks all around. Fences is a play, so that'll be a brief one too, readers, if you're out there, readers and listeners, if you're looking for a shorter one. But all three of those are actually not, um, in Cold Blood's maybe 350 pages, but nothing too burdensome, not super long. So we hope, you know, one or all of those intrigue you. Um, thanks again, as always, for listening through. Hope you got a good recommendation today. If not, again, check back in the feed for future recommendations. Or, you know, at this point, we're nearing 50 books. Dive back into the feed. All the old stuff is there. You can check out any of the books that we've covered. Yeah, it's a deep archive, so building up our own personal library at this point. Um, anyway, thanks again, listeners. We appreciate it. And until next time, we'll see you between the pages. <laughs> <laughs>